You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. It's late, and no prizes are left to be won. The rides are closed, it's the end of the day. The horses are moving away. Hello, and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that the official college ranking committee is actively conspiring against. More about that detail later. Well, there hasn't been any new developments in the college equestrian world this week. Auburn's still the reigning NCEA national champions, and we are all still waiting on this year's Auburn equestrian schedule slash list of victims to be released. But while we wait, I figure we could do a little bit more to class this podcast up a bit and bring in another guest for an interview. Today, I spoke with Tom O'Mara. Many of you will recall Tom has served on the NCEA advisory board for many years and also as a board member of the U.S. Equestrian Federation. Tom has also hosted, along with Sissy Wicks, a regular podcast series for the Plaid Horse magazine covering college equestrian. Tom was recently elected the next U.S. Equestrian Federation president and will be taking on that role in January. Tom was gracious enough to talk to me while traveling on USEF business today. Here is that interview. So, Tom, uh, where are you calling in from today? Well, I am uh, on the road. I am driving on I-75 in Florida, and you may not like this, Elvis, but I am in Gainesville right now. <laughs> well, but you're not going to stay there. I mean, you're getting away from Gainesville. No, I'm on my way to Lexington, Kentucky. I have a, 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 a ten-hour drive. Wow! So you're going up to Lexington for something horse-related, I imagine, right? That is correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so yeah, you live down in Ocala, which is a horse town, and you're going up to Lexington, which is also a horse town. So I figured it probably had Very something to do with horses. I, I know that we've talked before, and with you personally, you did not grow up a horse lover. So how did you sort of get involved in the sport of equestrian? Well, that's a very good question. I've always liked horses, there's no doubt, and it's kind of been in my family's blood for a long time, but I wasn't actively engaged in them with them. <laughs> my wife, she loved horses, loves horses, and um, we have four children, and we, through my wife, she introduced them all to horses at a very young age, to ponies, and it just clicked. You know, we had them do every sport there was, so they could figure out what they liked and didn't like, and every one of them wanted to ride and ride more. So we were fortunate in the area of New Jersey where my wife and I raised our children. Um, there was quite a bit of uh, equestrian activity of all types. They all got a chance to ride horses, and they did. You know, they were the hunter-jumper world, and they did mm -hmm. equitation. So that's how we got involved. So I became a horse show dad. So for 20 years, you know, when 
I came home from work, if I wanted to see my family, I had to swing by the barn and pick them up or watch them ride. And uh, every weekend we'd be on the road together as a family. Um, the good news is all the kids rode horses so that we all did it together. Um, the bad news is all the kids rode horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So talking about your children, um, them and your wife were sort of the, the impetus for you getting involved. Now, they most I think your children, they all went on to become quite accomplished riders and they all went yeah. to SEC schools, as it turned out. So um, if I'll give you a chance to sort of brag as a dad there, which, uh, you know, name the child and tell, tell us where they went to school. I sure will, and I appreciate that you've given me the license for the brag alert. That's what I would <laughs> My oldest daughter went to Auburn University. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she, she loved it, and we had a great, great experience down at Auburn. She rode. She was the one who started them all riding. She was the first to ride, and she was an excellent rider. Um, mm-hmm. As she approached, and we were looking at colleges to ride at in any format and colleges not to ride at. So we have two piles of colleges when we're going through the college, you know, search process. Mm-hmm. And um, Auburn, I think, was in the to ride at pile. Of course, they had so many great riding uh, teams, multiple teams. And um, what happened was she came to my wife and I her senior year and said, hey, do you guys mind if I don't ride in college? Because she's done it, you know, since she was little and all the way through high school. And, and you know, I guess she was nervous, but we looked at her and said, of course, I, you, know, you can do whatever you want to do. So mm-hmm. she chose to. But during the process, she had fallen in love with Auburn. I'll tell you uh, a quick story, uh, mm-hmm. part of that story, about about a month after she rushed uh, for her sorority, she was new to the school, a freshman, about a month into it, she called me up one day and said, hey, Dad, can you send down my uh, my riding boots and my half caps and my helmet because um, I missed the horses and I found a barn nearby. I'm going to go exercise horses. So, you know, they never lose the bug. She had probably not been off a horse for more than two days, you know, in the previous eight years. So we sent everything down, and she rode some horses down there. That's and then right. finally, after she did that a little bit, she actually then called and said, hey, can you send my horse down here? And my wife looked at me, and she goes, we are not sending horses to college. And I said, honey, it's cheaper for the horse to sit in the field in Auburn, Alabama, than it is in Colsec, New Jersey. And my wife oh. said, well, then send all the horses. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great point. Oh, wow. <laughs> that covers uh, your first child and i'll just go ahead and give a spoiler alert to our listeners she is the only one that went to auburn now i know that that might shock our listeners but you know i'm a parent too i know how it is you start out with really high expectations for that first child and then with each child they just drop you know the standards drop a little and so yeah i could see how not all of them ended up at auburn so where did your next uh your next child end up going to school Sure. So daughter number two, as I always number them in the anatomy, but daughter number two is um, Abby, and she ended up riding at the University of Georgia. Uh-huh. Yeah, and she had a very successful career there and did a great job. She, she was there really, was, she was one of the starters in both in mm-hmm. Texas and in flat for her first two years. Um, but she had a great, great career there and rode phenomenally and awesome. ended up uh, going to graduate school there. And she was a GA, and she's still in athletics, by the way. She uh, got her undergraduate degree and, and her graduate degrees from Georgia, so she is what they call a double dog. She is now a coach uh, in another SEC school. She is now um, the jumping seat coach at Texas A&M for their Wow. Team, so. so you have more SEC, SEC paraphernalia you'll need to buy and wear. I'm wearing an A&M shirt right now, I think. Oh, but, wow. Uh, daughter number three, Meg, mm-hmm. 
she also then went on to write at University of Georgia, and probably because her sister was there, and she spent some time visiting her sister. And in fact, Elvis, they over they overlapped each other for a year. They were on the team together. That's cool. And that was one of those great years where you know they won the national championship. Um, so yeah, uh, the two of them the two of them got to work on that and do that together. So that was really kind of as a parent, my mm-hmm. wife and I sat there when they both wrote in that final round, and it was amazing. So that was a lot of fun. Then trial number four is our son, TJ. So he, as you listeners know, in CAA Equestrian, is an emerging sport for women. So mm-hmm. TJ was not eligible to ride uh, on one of those NCAA teams, although he was also a very significant and successful, I'd say, junior rider in the country and had won a couple of national championships. So he basically wanted to go pro, but he wanted to go to college. So he went to University of Kentucky uh, in that horse capital of the world. But, mm-hmm. and so he can work with horses while he was in college. And, in fact, my Greg alert about him is he graduated college in three years, so he could get back, and he's now a trainer uh, in the hunter-jumper uh, show world. Wow. Cool. Well, now, you seem to have a pretty um, uh, a particular, I guess, role in the horse world, or at least a perspective, where – um, when we talk about fans and we talk about maybe traditional equestrian fans, and I think you uh, have certainly been part of that realm, if, I guess if we imagine a Venn diagram of fans of equestrian, and I guess I'm specifically talking more NCEA uh, equestrian, there's probably yeah. one circle that is the traditional equestrian fan. Uh, we'll call those fancy people, and that's one circle in the Venn diagram. And then there's another circle that I think is more the um, what we'll call we'll, we'll call those SEC fans. They're casual sports fans, and their school is doing well in equestrian, and so they'll show up to a meet, and you know they'll cheer, and and they might not know all the ins and outs of the rides, but they're in it because of the you know the SEC school that they're affiliated with, and they're supporting it that way. How do you see? the future and those two groups coming together and what influence is that going to have on the sport, particularly NCA uh, sport? Well, that's a great question. So, as you know, I've, I've been on the board of the uh, United States Equestrian Federation now for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started comparing kind of equestrian sport to other sports. There's a similarity. There's a, uh, something that's very common that runs through all of them. In, in equestrian, mm-hmm. the sport broadly thinks about kind of breaks the sport down along the following lines. There are junior riders, that's 18 and under. Then there's amateur riders, which are 18 and over, who aren't professionals. And then there's professionals. So those are the three buckets. Juniors, amateur, professional. When you look at other sports, what I notice pretty quickly is that they really focus from the top down on four categories, not three. And the four categories are junior or youth, and then collegiate, and then amateur and professional. And that's when it kind of dawned on me that, boy, we do have college riding, but I I kind of felt like we were the sport was missing the boat a little bit on college riding. So how, perhaps, if we tweak that a little bit, could we draw a lot of fans? And that's what I also believe because I'm an avid sports fan, primarily college sports fan, and and in the last 10 years or more now, uh, SEC sports fan. So, um, so, so, so I like college sports. And what I, what I know, college sports draw so many fans, not necessarily because the people love that particular sport or play that particular sport, but because they love their college. And 
so they follow every sport that team that school has. So to me, in equestrian sport, as it grows as an NCAA sport, that will only, my theory is, that will only bring more eyes to college, uh, to equestrian broadly, than, mm-hmm. any, than any other format of college uh, riding, especially with SEC schools, but, but with all the schools, quite frankly, that have um, an, uh, an NCAA equestrian team. Mm-hmm. Um, but in particular, the SEC schools, they are fanatics about it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've noticed that too, uh, particularly <laughs> Auburn. You know, I've noticed that particularly at Auburn, but I imagine there must be, you know, a great deal of support at the other three SEC uh, NCA schools. So, yeah, no, that's yeah. an interesting observation. And I think you're right. I mean, yeah. a lot of – I'd never really thought about how that would work in the horse world. But, yes, I've noticed that – I think what you described with the – where uh, the sport was only divided into three main buckets, uh, depending on junior rider, professional, or amateur, I think a lot of that comes from the European or, or the the worldwide model because – College sports right. really doesn't exist in Europe or in other parts of the country like it does in the United States. So we're very unique here that we have that, that sort of fourth delineation that says, okay, college sports are going to be just as viable as professional or your, you know, your, your peewee league, amateur league, whatever. Um, and it's really not like that anywhere else in the world. And so it's interesting that I think, you know, what you pointed out with equestrian for a long time, it was still acting and operating in more of a European model and just the idea of, hey, maybe there's more advancement we can make in the sport by, you know, recognizing the collegiate opportunities here because that is kind of how our country operates. I mean, we really like college sports. You're, you're very, very uh, spot on with that. In fact, I've been fortunate enough. I've spent some time um, interacting with European equestrians and officials from European uh, federations and organizations, and mm-hmm. they want to know about it. They want to spend a lot of time about it. I talked to a man who is the CEO and founder of a big pharma- uh, equine pharmaceutical and supplement uh, company based out of Holland. When I told him that we have a national championship, he said, he said, well, why don't we have like a, a rider cup, you know, when we can have the top collegiate team from Europe after the season's over, maybe we'll have them ride against the top U.S. team. Um, and, that, you know, that would be Auburn. Like right now, that would be Auburn. I'll just go ahead and tell everybody that would be Auburn. But yeah, go ahead, continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> and we would flip flop back and forth. You know, maybe one year it's held in Europe, so maybe your Auburn team gets to travel to Europe. Yeah, we'll see. We're working on it. But, wow. But that was neat that he said that. That was his idea. And he, you know, he's like, hey, why don't we do this? And so he's open to it. And they 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 see what we're doing. And but it's just not normal to them. But you're exactly right. And, um, it, it's a new process here. Now, you've said that you've been on the board of the U.S. Equestrian Federation. You've also been uh, uh, working with the NCEA and the, uh, on the advisory board there. Now, you've recently been elected as the president of the U.S. Equestrian Federation. So um, what what uh, give us, a, I guess, a synopsis of how is that? When does that start? What's that going to what are you going to be doing? I mean, how, how does that work? I'm completely ignorant on a lot of this. So. Treat us yeah. as if we don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah. I, so I've been on the, as I said, I was on the board for four years of U.S. Equestrian. And then I, I really have uh, spent 35 years in the financial services industry. And so I, we, we analyzed a lot of different companies and we've given strategic advice. So really my role as a board was just to, and we would, um, I, you know, I worked on a couple of task force to help uh, write some issues that had surfaced during the period of time of my being on the board, and I guess the board thought I did a good job, and um, the, 
the current president, who's done a fantastic job, I believe, and I had hoped he was going to do it again, but he had um, some other uh, some other he had another opportunity to go back and uh, run a very large corporation, and that became pretty much a full time full time job for him. So he said, um, I can't do this for a second term, and um, so he announced that he was not going to run again. And then they had open nominations, um, and I got nominated by a number of people apparently. Um, then there's it, it went through a whole process where there's a nominating committee that reviews to make sure everyone's eligible, who can run. There's certain criteria you have to have to be an officer or the president. And I guess I passed them all, and my name was put forward, and the board voted on it. And um, I am now the president-elect, and I take over office officially in January, and it's a four-year term. Okay. And um, so I look I look forward to it. Um, I've been working on, which is why I'm driving up to Lexington uh, again today. Uh, we've been working on uh, our strategic plan for the next four years. Somewhere around but 27-ish million people sit on the back of a horse in the United States every year. So yeah. a lot of it is recreational riding. There's no doubt about that. But that, to me, just shows you the level of interest. So that's like 10% of America, right? And, huh. and generally, generally those people are under the age of 18. So it's young. It's not an old, dying sport. There's a lot of interest by young people. And right. so to me, as president of the Federation, my goal is to, to make sure we keep our eyes focused on everything that we currently do and do it, continue to do it really well, but mm-hmm. to add on to that as well. And that's kind of what I've done in my career is to do the little add-on type stuff. So we want to reach out to as many people as possible. And, and grow an interest in the sport. And college is one part of that, but there's a lot of different things we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest. Every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. Who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn? Utilize our podcasts, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. You know, let's transition a little bit. Back when you were doing the um, Plaidcast, uh, the regular, during the seasons, you know, every other week, you and Sissy Wicks would do a, a special episode of the Plaidcast that was devoted to the NCEA Equestrian. So devoted to right. the sport while it was in season. Now, one of the, I guess, the, the regular features of your show was bringing out the, uh, announcing the, the weekly Farnham uh, rankings. How do the actual – I'm wondering, how do the actual rankings come about? Is there a committee? How does it work in College Equestrian? How do those rankings happen? That's a good question. And I think I listened to one of your podcasts, Elvis, when you were like – I think you might have been taking umbrage with uh, the ranking of your favorite team one week. And you're like, how did they do this? How did they do exactly. that? Exactly. Oh, I take umbrage with the Farnham rankings, and that's the reason for this, this question is because <laughs> I want to know what's going on. Well, we have a committee, and we say, what would Elvis do? And we do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Oh, man. Oh, finally an exclusive behind the curtain. 
All right, all right so that's the no. real story. What's the story you tell everyone else? Okay, here's the story. First of all, I am not involved with it in any way, so there you go. Um, okay. So just to get that out there. But there is a committee, and I honestly, I don't know who's on the committee. The committee, mm-hmm. the, the board of the NCEA, which is every head coach, uh, is on that board, and then there's an executive committee. And they mm-hmm. have, uh, there's a whole slew of different committees that help run the day-to-day operations of the sport mm-hmm. of, of NCAA equestrian. And so there is uh, a selection committee, and they're the ones who review those. Um, and and, and th- I do believe there's actually modeling that goes on to some extent. It's not, the computer doesn't do it alone. Uh-huh. It's kind of a hybrid, like like the CFP. And, um, but there are no report. I don't think there's any reporters involved. That's the good news. No. But uh, so but, do they give them some sort of metrics to look at, or do they give them some data? Okay, all right. Yeah, they look at. I believe they look at strength of schedule. They look at home versus away. You know, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. There is an overlay on it, and the good news is, as with all things, you know, you can say there's an error maybe in a particular week you might spot or highlight, or but mm-hmm. I think over time it definitely works its way out and is done correctly for the rankings at the end of the year. And I believe that the people on those committees they are sports administrators from uh, a variety of schools across, you know, that have equestrian teams across okay. all conferences and all divisions. So, so hopefully no it gets, division. gets rid of regional bias and things like that. Yes, right. Good. Okay. Well, that, that helps clue me in because, yeah, I mean, I guess I sort of imagined that maybe it was Tom O'Mara and he's to blame for when <laughs> UT Martin gets bumped out of the number 10 position for a week when they didn't lose yeah. and stuff like that. And so, all right, but it's not your fault. Okay, that's awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll just be very clear. It's definitely not my fault. Let's just start with that. All right. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Because, yeah, there was a glaring thing in week two of last year, yeah, that I did not – I was not happy with. And I still have not lived it or forgotten about it. So, all right, yeah, okay. I'm glad you forgot about it. I, I remembered. I, I listened to you. Okay, well, no, that's – I'm glad – yeah, yeah. And I'm sure my listeners uh, remember it as well because I do bring it up from time to time. So, all right. Well, yep. now we've sort of gotten into some more difficult questions. So, yeah, this, I'm going to hit you up with one now that is probably is going to put you on the spot. But you're diplomatic enough that if you don't want to answer it, you could just talk around it without answering it. So I'm giving yeah, you I'm that warning. Okay, that's fine. Okay. okay. So here it is. First, I'm going to set up the, the scenario. Okay. So you mentioned you're a college football fan and you're uh, of a certain age. So you would remember a time before the playoffs that we have and even before the BCS. And so you remember a time back in the old days when it was customary and accepted to choose a national champion by just declaring them. You know, somebody would just either a vote or maybe not even a vote. Somebody would just declare they're the national champion. We think that. And people just accepted that. So, Looking at, say, college equest, uh, yeah, NCAA equestrian last year where it's traditional to have a postseason tournament, but last year we were not able to. We had a full regular season with the exception of one meet between Fresno State and uh, Oklahoma State, but we had a full season of results, and we had a team that was undefeated during that time, and not only were they undefeated, but they played every other ranked team throughout the season and beat all of them. They were the only undefeated team. And so even though that team did not get a chance to go and compete in the national championship tournament, as is tradition, right. yeah. how comfortable would you be with going ahead and declaring, you know what, we have a regular season results for this undefeated team. Go ahead and declare that team the national champion because that sort of 
uh, process has been used in college football, which, frankly, is a much more scrutinized sport than college equestrian. So if it was good enough for college football, wouldn't that same process be good enough for college equestrian in this one unique year where we did not get a postseason tournament? You, you, that's a very good question, and you're not the only person who has asked it. Um, well, listen, the, the, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm not even an official of the NCEA or the NCAA, right? So I can't say. Um, okay. You know, I could probably have an opinion on it, but as you said earlier, I'll, I'll just walk around that. But, <laughs> but you can have an opinion on it because I know which team you want. Um, oh, you know, I haven't mentioned teams. This is all just purely no, theoretical. Right. This is theoretical. All right, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll say the team for you. University of Central Florida. How's that? <laughs> oh, oh, you're thinking of football. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm thinking of a different right, sport. All right. Hey, UCF, you went undefeated, UCF. You are the champion, so there you go. Um, yeah. Listen, I don't, the, the, the organization has to have made that decision, and unfortunately, I don't think – uh, you know, I would think that the first step would have been at the um, at the conference level, and I don't think the conferences even made the announcement. Um, yeah, and you, you know, you're right. There's two types of ways to look at sport, right? You can have a regular season champion, mm-hmm. and then you can have the national champion, um, and you could do that in in, in a uh, in a conference or even in the overall NCAA if you wanted to. But mm-hmm. it was not just simply overlooked. Um, there was no bias in choosing not to do it versus do it, mm-hmm. there was a concerted uh, discussion uh, at length uh, by the board of the NCEA, and they honestly, they have to look for direction from uh, the NCAA, but primarily from the conferences. So because the conferences do, there are three conferences in, in equestrian, NCAA mm-hmm. equestrian, the Big 12, the SEC, and the ECAC, the East Coast Athletic Conference, mm-hmm. and um, they needed to get clarity from them, and they were not—they did not give them clarity on it. So I don't even think it was announced at the conference level for the regular season being regular season champion with a big old asterisk. That's what I would have said. Well, um, the, I think the but, SEC but, was the only conference that I think they did award a champion. The other conferences I don't think did, and it's yeah, because in the SEC yeah. there there was that that cut and dry. You know, one team was six and zero, and all the other teams had losses. You know, multiple losses right. to that one team. Um, and so the SEC did go ahead and declare a champion, um, okay, but so, but yeah. the Big 12 didn't because, and frankly, I think it's because of that last meet that didn't get uh, competed, uh, didn't get ridden right. between Oklahoma State and Fresno State because that meet was going to decide the, the Big 12 champion. So it's very unfortunate right. that that meet did not happen because I think you probably would have seen the Big 12 follow suit, and that's just my opinion on that. So. So I guess you're sort of dancing around it, but you're telling us there was discussion. And so as you as you look at the issue personally, if some school were to step up and say, you know what, based on this evidence, we feel we were the national champion. Uh, yeah. How legitimate? How, how legitimate you feel that would be? And even if the the national board or the national governing body didn't necessarily declare that, how? how I mean, yeah, I think. Well, listen, anyone can declare anything they want in the United States, right? It's a free country. Mm-hmm. So, um, and UCF did say they went undefeated and was, should have been the champion of football at one point in time. Which, mm-hmm. um, but to me, to me, listen, we live by the rules, we die by the rules. There, if everyone agrees that there's an organization that oversees it and, um, and they, they declare certain things, and whether that's the 
you know, whether it's uh, the SEC, or whether it's the conference, whether it's the NCAA, or whether it's the coaches' organization, the NCAA. Because remember, the NCAA is just a coaches' organization. And at the end of the day, the decision was not to move forward on it. Then that's what I mean when I say we got, you know, we all have agreed that we're part of the organization, and we all got to agree with the results of the organization. And, you know, no one's going to leave the organization. Um, uh, so, you know, we know who had the best record that year, for sure. Mm-hmm. And people should... People should celebrate that. There's no doubt. If you, want, if you need to put a title on that, I don't think you need to. I think we all know who had the best record in the regular season. And that, you know, you know, we could all go roll tumors corner for that. I would do that. Um, but, but. So we'll say it's pending. We'll just say it's indefinitely pending then. Indefinitely pending. Yes. Indefinitely pending. Okay. Cause I mean, you know. There are some, and again, going over to college football, there are championship, national championships from, you know, eras gone by in the, you know, before color television that somehow pop up nowadays and get awarded. So I think, I don't know, I think right. maybe, no, maybe. I, listen, that's, that's, that's a great part of sport. There's going to be, it's, it's not, it's not perfect all the time. And people remember these things forever. Um, and I'm telling you, if you were central Florida, and by the way, I think they did print shirts and t-shirts. Oh, they they absolutely did. They they did rings. Yeah, they went out and got rings and everything. They did the whole deal. Yeah. So, well, maybe the solution here is that uh, they need Auburn Equestrian because again, that's who we are talking about for the last year. Maybe the solution is that they just need to be declared by a reputable organization as the national champion, and then as time goes by, it begins it gets recognized. So maybe I can become that reputable uh, organization. Elvis Radio, exactly. Elvis so, Radio declared them, and, so, then, and then many years later, they'll just throw it in the record book like they did with the exactly Eastern because Eastern. they don't know that here in you know 2020 what a slipshod organization I am, they're, they're going to be looking at me 50 years from now when I'm a multimedia conglomerate. They're going to be right, like, well, of right. course we would recognize that, this multi-zillion dollar organization. So, uh, well, on in an effort to move towards that wonderful future, what advice yeah. would you give me as I'm doing my podcast? Because again, you know, I am this guy in the Elvis costume when I go to stuff, you know, football games, uh, equestrian meets, and et cetera. What advice would you give me as I'm doing the podcast? Because I am thinking I need to be a little bit more legitimate now. I need to call up some of these coaches or SIDs and maybe get some interviews. What advice would you give me to, I guess, overcome the Elvis costume stuff and be considered legitimate and just sort of move forward and, you know, hopefully do a good job covering the sport? Well, I would keep with the Elvis because I think uh, your Elvis sports radio network, your ESRN, Kind of mm-hmm. sounds like another ES something then. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does sound more legitimate when you make it into an acronym, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Elvis Radio. Elvis yes. SRN. Uh, and, and eventually uh, no one will notice the difference. Uh, but I think the Elvis part is definitely your lead in. Stick with Okay. So if I call up or send an email to a, a sports information director at Georgia and say, hey, you know, I do this podcast, I want to interview a coach or somebody, uh, you think they'll give me the time of day? You think they'll they won't be put off by the the Auburn Elvis part of it? Just don't send a picture. Okay, <laughs> just don't send a picture. Wow! All right, man, what a backhanded compliment that was. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> oh 
Oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it is a little sad that we're going to lose you from the podcasting space, but, uh, and you and I have talked about this before, that it does create the opportunity for me now because, you know, without there being a regular one from the Plaidcast, which is a very prestigious, you know, magazine and the podcast and all that, without that now, there's a void that hopefully I can step into if I can just figure out the right way to get past the you know, the SID who might not like Auburn Elvis, so we'll see, we'll see. I think I can navigate that. But but no, it's neat, and so it's sad that you're leaving, but at the same time, you're obviously moving on to, to bigger and better roles, and so we wish you all the best on that. Um, as we sort of close out here, um, any sort of uh, parting words or just uh, things we should be looking out for for Tom O'Mara in the, in the near future here? I, I recognize your podcast years ago, and I heard about this great sports fan of Auburn sports uh, who dresses like Elvis and was going to many of their sporting events, but also their equestrian events. So that's what I love about college sports and mm-hmm. college sports fans and Auburn fans in particular in your case. Um, they're supportive of all their teams, and that's why, I, I, you know, over the last uh, 12 years, I think I've been going to collegiate uh, events. Um, and I've gone to collegiate events of all formats, by the way, and, 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 and I can say this with all, of many of them. But, but in particular, the, the NCAA programs, I think I've been to almost every town where there's an NCAA team, uh, mm-hmm. probably for me, almost everyone. And I've been to conference championships and the national championship. I think I've been that 11 or out of the last 12 years. Um, so what, but what I noticed when I go into these college towns that have NCAA teams, you know, uh, you go into a restaurant or the hotel that you're checking into and everyone's always nice. And, but they always ask, you know, what are you doing in town? Are you here to see football game? Are you here to see the women's basketball team, a big event going on or the gymnastics or lacrosse? Uh, I'd say, yeah, I know they got a really good team. I'm thinking of that. I said, but I'm here to watch the equestrian team. I have to tell you, Elvis, without hesitating, in every one of those towns that has an NCAA team, that young man or woman who's the waiter, waitress, um, check-in clerk at the hotel, wherever we are, they immediately say, we have a great equestrian team. And I guarantee you, 90% of these people have never watched maybe an event, maybe they have, or, or, or ridden a horse, or maybe, I don't know what the numbers are, but but they do know, because they are fans of their school, that they follow their sports, and they know that they have a great equestrian team, which is always wonderful things if they have a great equestrian team or not, they're saying it, right? Right. Um, well, we'll probably end on that. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, good luck on your drive up to Lexington. I uh, hope everything is uneventful and pleasant at the same time. Um, but, no, thank you for your time here today. I, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, best of luck uh, in your new position, and just thank you so much for being on the show. Okay, and I'm going to give you a War Eagle. War Eagle and War Horses, yes. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?